I'm continuing this, this series tonight in the ways to be an undefeated Christian. We all know that there's a struggle for the win because we're always pursuing the W. And I often thought, can you be undefeated without any losses? I mean, how many times did the Warriors have to win in order they could be called a winner? I heard, oh, they're in the playoffs. Okay, great. Oh, and they're in another playoffs. I'm like, what? Oh, they won this game. Great. No, they got to win two more. What? Wait? And then tonight, I asked somebody, is there a game tonight? They're like, no, it's tomorrow. But they won the last one. Okay, well, when, when do you get to the point where you've actually won? I mean, I know you guys that are sports buffs, you understand it. It makes sense. They play a certain number of games in, this, in the season, and a certain number of games means, you know, if they win so many or they lose less, then they become winners. Cool, they ran the season. Now they have to win the playoffs. And then they, same thing happens with the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, and then we have, we have the playoffs and we have this section and that section. It's like, wow, what do you have to do to win? The series is all the ways to become an undefeated and live as an undefeated Christian. Well, you need strength for the win, right? Can you be undefeated with any losses? You know, we're in a day and time where people feel like they're entitled. When I grew up, I know I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but when I grew up, I went to high school for three years. So for some of you that can identify with that, you think, oh, wow, she's really smart. Yeah. For other of you, you might think, well, did she drop out? No. I went to high school so long ago that high school was only three years. How many understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> and the rest of you are like, what? Yeah, it was your sophomore year, your junior year, and your senior year, because junior high school was seventh, eighth, and ninth. Nowadays, high school is 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever, what is it, 9, 10, whatever, you get it, <laughs> 9 through 12. And so at that point in time in the world, when we wanted to do something like be on a team, like the winning team, when we were pursuing that W, I can tell you that we had to do this thing called tryout. I was a cheerleader for three years, all through high school. And every year, I get the nerves in me, oh my gosh. Because we had to try out, whether it was cheerleading, or the football players, or the track team, or the basketball team, or the wrestling team, anything you wanted to do, you had to try out. And in order to try out, you had to practice, and practice, and practice, and practice, and practice. And then you go before a panel, a room with just you, and three teachers glaring at you and you had to perform and jump and do whatever. And if you're on the football team, you had to get out there with the team and get in the huddle and break and go. And then, oh my gosh, your stomach would hurt for two days because the roster wasn't out. You had to wait for the roster to be posted outside the gym to see if you made the team, to see if you made the cheerleading team, to see if you made the football team, to see if you made it. The roster had to be posted in order for you to know if you made it. You didn't know if you made it until somebody said, okay, we approve you and you made it. How many understand what I'm talking about? How many old people do we have in here? I don't know, how dare you? <laughs> Nowadays, you go to the team and you say, here I am, I signed up. 
and you're on. Well, how are you ever going to learn to be an undefeated Christian if you don't have to go through those hard times, if you don't have to figure out what you need to do? We're going to talk about that tonight. Heavenly Father, I ask for your presence to be here. I ask that you show and teach us how to be undefeated Christians. Because in you, Jesus Christ, there is nothing but a win for us when we choose you to be our Lord and our Savior. It's in Jesus' name that I pray and the church shouted, amen. All right, so for the strength to win, you cannot win without Jesus. And here's what scripture says. It says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Well, what does that mean? Nobody wants losers on their team, right? Nobody wants losers on the team. That's why when little kids on the playground, it's like you pick teams. I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you, uh, mm -mm. I'll take you, I'll take you. And then that uh, mm -mm is still standing there at the end. <sighs> Whatever, come on the team. Nobody wants losers on their team. But Jesus. But Jesus. Because you can't win without Jesus. Undefeat does not mean all wins and no losses in the kingdom of God. Generally, if a team is undefeated, what does it mean? They never lost. But in the kingdom of God, in order to be an undefeated Christian, you have to have all losses. You've got to lose everything. And you only need one win. And that's when you join the team of Jesus and you put everything else aside and say, I don't need all these other things that are a part of my life. I want to lose them. And I'm joining Team Jesus. So are you willing to lose for the win? What did it cost you? What did you have to lose by coming to Christ? Was it an addiction? Was it cursing? Was it road rage? Bad habit? Anger? Overeating? Smoking? Okay, so maybe I haven't named yours, but you know what it is. What is it that you needed to lose in order to be on Jesus' undefeated team. When you come to the altar, when we have altar calls, when you come to the altar full of every worldly thing that you want to lose, when you come to the altar, it's because you want to lose something. You want to lose that bad habit. You want to lose that anger. You want to lose that situation. When you come to the altar, you want to lose in order to win because you know that Jesus can fill you. You come to empty yourself so that Jesus will fill you. He will fill you with peace. He will fill you with healing. He will fill you with love. He will fill you to be able to be available to him for his purpose for your life. Why? Because our life here is to be an asset to the kingdom of God. However, life can be a distraction to us and to our relationship with Jesus. Every aspect of our life, the good the bad, the ugly, the oh my gosh, I can't believe this is my life, is all useful to God. No matter what you're going through, it is useful to God. So believe it or not, the concerning times are the times when we think we've got it all together. That's when you need to be concerned. When you think you've got it all together, you need to watch out. Because scripture says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13, it says, so if you think you're standing firm,
be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Here's the key. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Amen? God is what? God is what? God is what? Is anybody here tonight that God has not been faithful to you? I'm going to tell you, God is, he is faithful, and he's not going to allow you to be in a circumstance or situation and be tempted beyond what you can bear. But who decides what you can bear? That's the problem, and that's the question. Jesus is the answer, but we take it upon ourselves to determine that. He says, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way so that you can endure it. Would you prefer not to be tempted at all? Our preference would be, and God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted. I have a slide for that. Slide four. That's how we want scripture to look. We get into God's word and we read it and then we read what we want to read out of it. His word says God is able and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when we read, we stop and we want to change the grammar and we want to say God is faithful. He's not going to let me be tempted. That's not true. That's not true. He will allow you to be tempted, but he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. I was tempted at a very young age. And it has lasted through my life through all these years. There was something I really wanted for my birthday when I turned 10. I wanted it really bad. And here I go, I'm going to date myself again. You guys have to forgive me for this. Back in the day, when you bought Avon, how many know the Avon lady used to come to your house? Remember that? The Avon lady, the Fuller Brush Man, all those people, they would just come to your house. Well, the Avon lady used to come to our house every other week. And I'd sit with my mom and go through the book. And they had all these cute things for little girls. And I wanted something. And I wanted it for my birthday. And I told my mom that's what I wanted. No big deal, right? Two weeks later, the Avon lady came. Three days before my birthday. Did she get it? I don't know. I got to see. No, no. I'll wait for my birthday. No, because if I look now, if I look now, it's, it's going to ruin my birthday. No, no, I got to know. Why did I really need to know? What difference was it going to make? But it did. It made a difference. I got tempted. I peeked in the back, and it was there. Do you think I was excited? I was like, oh, thank you. Mom got it for me. Not at all. I felt horrible. I was, felt awful. To this day, I have never forgotten that. You can give me something today, either wrapped up in a pretty bow or in a bag with nothing, with no, nothing to camouflage it. You can give it to me and say, this is for you, but don't look at it until XYZ day. And you know what? I won't look at that bag at all. 
I don't care what's in there, I won't look at it because I ruined it for myself. And that's what happens to us. We decide what we can and can't be tempted in doing and we ruin things for ourselves when God's got something for us at a specific time. When you're tempted, you need to understand what's happening. When you're not tempted, you're in control. God wants you to have a good life. And if he says, these are the things that I need you to do at this particular way in this particular time, don't get tempted to get ahead of God because he's in control, not you. And the minute you take control, you're going to ruin it for yourself. We are not supposed to be in control. We're supposed to wait. We're supposed to watch. We're supposed to be warned. Don't you wish that there was some way, somehow, something could tell you when there was danger coming around? When there was danger coming around, there was a show that used to be, they would tell you, danger was coming around. Watch this video clip and you'll understand what I'm doing and what I mean. You old people will know this very well. Danger was coming around. Watch this clip. is supposed to be a natural way of life. What? Yeah. In the world, compromise is a natural way of life. How do I know? They have these things called BOGOs. Buy one, get one. Either get it free, get it two for one, get it whatever you want, but get more. That's what the world is telling you. You may have a budget for something, but the world says, no, get, get more. Get more. Get more. Get more. Get more. You don't need to get any more. You don't need to get more. What is your challenge? What is your challenge? What is your choice of compromise? What is tempting to you? What's your overindulgency? What's the negative characteristic that you want to shake? On our own, we are weak. I got a bag of chips here. See, some of you think that I have this bag of chips because I'm tempted by chips. And I'm going to start eating this in front of you. Yeah, I thought about that. But actually, it's chocolate for me, so I didn't bring any, because I would have been eating it up here. But what is it for you? And this is what the world tells you. How many know what the slogan was when Lay's potato chips came out? Betcha just can't eat one. You know why? Because they want you to get more and do more and not have any temptations, and not have any restrictions, and not have any boundaries in your life. I bet you can't eat just one. Well, they're right. That's why I won't open the bag, because I'll stand here with my mouth full, and I'll be eating these chips. But too often, we stumble through life to satisfy ourselves, to meet our own needs, to live comfortable without pain and suffering. And although there's nothing wrong with those things, we need to understand that Jesus Christ is the source. 
the source, not a source. He is the source. So what are we supposed to do? How do we live undefeated? Trust God's goodness. Say that with me. Trust God's goodness when things are good. They're very good. Perhaps good isn't always good for us. Ever think about that? What we think good is can be distracting. What we think good is can keep us from God. Things are not always good, but God is. Things don't always work out, but they do work together for good according to his word. We need the positives and we need the negatives in our life to grow. We don't like those things, but we need them. We need the positive, we need the, the good encouraging things, and we need the negative things. We need the, excuse me, we need the fertilizer in our life to grow sometimes. Sometimes it's those times and situations that we have to go through that seem like fertilizer all over us. And it's what we actually need to grow and get out of a circumstance and get out of a situation that brings forth the blossom, that brings forth the flower, that brings forth new life, that brings you to a new horizon. You need the positives and you need the negatives in your life in order to get you closer to Christ. Many get saved because things weren't good, right? But they were working together and salvation was the result. That's what I mean by that. See, the purpose of goodness of God is to bring us to our knees to bring remembrance of what he is able to do. The Bible says it is the goodness of God that brings us to salvation. This scripture is an example of that. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called to his purpose. It's all working together. God said, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. His mercy is new every morning and his playbook is new every day and is designed specifically for you to win. I'm a winner. I am a winner. Can you say that with me? I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I am a winner. I want you to say that and get that in your spirit. I am a winner. I am a winner because I lost all those things that I didn't need in my life so I could gain Christ. Christ in me is to gain and to die. Christ in me is to live and to die is gain. I've been crucified in Christ and not so much that I live, but God lives in me. Amen? That's what we need to have. Our playbook is written for us to, to live. All we need to do is show up. The other thing that we need to do in trusting God's goodness besides that is we need to know God's ability. Can you say that with me? Know God's ability. Trying in our own strength, knowledge, and power is a time waster. We all know people who've tried. They've tried to lose weight. They've tried to save money. They've tried to get an education. What about those that have tried God? What does that mean anyway? We do things in the name of God, and we grow weary, and we give up. Well, we're so proud that we tried. We don't need to try. We need to do. I have a bunch of people that were together, and after the pandemic, we were sharing what we've done during the pandemic, and one lady said, you know, I was so glad when we got to the pandemic and we went home, she said, I knew that being at home for, the, for that period of time, which we thought was just going to be a short period of time, she said, I knew I was going to be able to lose those 10 pounds that I needed to lose. 
I said, great, how did that work for you? She goes, I only got 15 more to go. <laughs> what? <laughs> how did that work for you? When we do things on our own, we wind up with a self-impulse. We need to know God's ability and we need to know God's purpose. When we've got a self-impulse, we start self-negotiating. Proverbs 3, 7 says, don't be wise in your own eyes. We need to have God's ability. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. My yoke is easy, and that's God's promise. Self-negotiation. You're trying to lose weight, so you realize, okay, I don't want to eat ice cream anymore. I'll just go to yogurt land and get one of those small cups and fill it up. Do you know how much sugar is in that yogurt land stuff that we pass off as yogurt? There's a lot of it in there. You might as well just get a small ice cream cone, right? Then there's self-justification, because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But God's ability, he said, he will keep you in perfect peace, those whose mind is stayed on him. And that's where God's protection comes in. And then you become self-righteous. Moses did that. God told him, strike the rock one time for the water. And Moses said, I know how to do this. Pow. Pow. He smote the rock twice. What did God say? Do it once. But he got to start negotiating, justifying, and self-righteous. He decided he knew what to do. But God said, I am the Lord your God, and apart from me there is no other God. That's his authority over each and every one of us. So what do we need to do? We have to keep things in perspective. There are pre-designed boundaries in our lives that have limits and have the value for us on the playing field. And they're governed by the authority, by the protection, and by the promises of God. Perhaps temptation has knocked you down and 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 knocked you down. And now you're so far down, the devil tries to count you out. God's word says, though a righteous man may fall seven times, seven times he will get up. So if you've been knocked down and knocked down and knocked down and knocked down, get up. Get up. You're going to make it. Get up. Get up. You're going to make it. Get up. You're going to make it. Jesus drew a line in the sand. He drew a line in the sand, and what we do is we get out on the playing field, and we get comfortable in the game, and we think we know the plays. We stop listening to the coach by reading his word, and we get up there, and we're, woo, woo, we're going, we're doing, this is a good game. How many of you know that you can play the full game and be ahead, and at the very last play, you're running, you're going, you got this game, I'm comfortable with this game, I know how this game works, oh, there's a goal line, I better stop. Who stops at the goal line? Some of you say, well, Jesus drew the line, so that was a goal line, I didn't want to get over it. But if Jesus drew the line and that's a goal line, how are you going to get to Jesus if you don't cross that goal line? You've got to get across the goal line to get all the way. You've got to get all the way. You can't stop ahead of what Jesus wants for you. You've got to get across that goal line. Every play, I know very little about football. 
But I do know that when all the guys are huddled up together and they're running and they're playing, and then I hear, oh, it's first and 10. Okay, I kind of know what that is. And then 10 minutes later, they're at the goal line. They don't stop the game and say, great, we're so glad you got to the goal line. All right, everybody go home. It's like, no, you've got to get over the goal line. You've got to get over the goal line because that's the line that Jesus drew. He wants you to come to him, all you who are weary and heavy laden. That's how you get there. You've got to come to him. You've got to give yourself to him. He is our God. He is our Savior. And you get in these situations and you realize, oh my gosh, I got to the goal line and then I went over the goal line. I was scared to go over the goal line because who's, I don't want to go over the goal line. I mean, suppose this is the goal line. Well, well I'm going to go down. No, you're not. It's like the man who fell out of the tree and he's like, God, I need help. And God's like, let go of the branch. He's like, I can't let go of the branch. I'm going to fall. Let go of the branch. I can't go past the goal line. I'm at the goal line. That's the goal line. The line is there for a reason. But you've got to go over the goal line. You've got to let go of the branch. You've got to lose all these things that are with you so that you can win. That's the only way. And when you get there, you realize there's no points at the goal line. How many gets points for going to the goal line? Nobody. You don't get points. You can play a full game, but you don't get any points if you get to the goal line. You have to go over it. You've got to go over the line. That's where Jesus is. And here's how you know, because there's a, a graph I hope you guys have set up to come up. There, there should be that graphic picture that's next. But you know that his word says that he sets boundaries for your life. That's where the goal line is. And scripture says in Psalm 16, 5 and 6, he says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, and surely I have a delightful inheritance. He set the boundary line. He set the line. You've got to go over the line to get to him. He set that. And when you're in a dark place, or you're in a hard place, or you're in a difficult place, or you're in a painful place, you'll go right up to the line and just say, I did all that I could do, but you've got to go over the line. And that's where you see that God set that boundary. God set the boundary for you. Jesus puts his hand up at that boundary line to keep Satan from getting to you. Jesus puts his hand up. Can I have that slide that, that's got the graphic on it, please? There's a slide that has a graphic on it. There it is. Yes. Jesus puts his hand up, and he says this. When you get to that boundary line, and you go over the line, and Satan is, Satan is standing there like, you're not supposed to go over the line. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Jesus was the first one to say, speak to the hand. You know, we used to do that all the time. Speak to the hand. Speak to the hand. Jesus stuck his hand up. 
And he said to Satan, speak to the hand. Jesus put his hand up and he said, not today, Satan. Not for that one. Not at this time. You can't go there. Just don't. You need to know that he does that. Can I have that slide up, please? Just don't. You need to tell Satan, just don't. Just don't. Since I've accepted Jesus, I now live undefeated. Satan can't catch me. Satan can't stop me. He can't break me, and he can't make me. Declare your undefeat. Declare what it is that you've lost to win. And how do you do that? You increase your faith in God. Increase your faith in God because God recognizes and responds to us when our faith is exercised. Faith motivates to seek righteousness and holiness. Faith focuses on our lives, on the glory of God, being able to shine through our lives. Have and respect for the Lord. In the examples that we make of the situations that affect our lives and affect our lives on others, that's kind of where we talk about the BFF, where you realize everything that you do affects your life and affects the lives of other people. Bring your friends to faith. Bring them to the lobby after service so that we can meet them, so that we can meet you, so that they can feel welcome, so that you can feel welcome and you can feel a part of the congregation. You see, faith increases when we understand God's ways. And here's the key. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. God will raise up the standard for your life. Jesus said, anyone who intends to come to me must let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, Jesus said. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. Self-sacrifice, Jesus said, is my way to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of a deal is it if you get everything you want but you lose yourself? We need to learn to trust God in all things, to wait on him and to know him. He will strengthen us, he will guide us, and he will show us good and perfect will. For what? For you to win. Say this with me. I am a winner. I am a winner. I am a winner. I am a champion, I am a winner, I am a winner. You say it like you mean it. Say it like you believe it. Say it like you want it. Even if you don't feel like it, even if the devil's got you down tonight, you need to stand up and tell him, I am a winner. I am. I am a winner. And you need to be able to tell Satan, get out of my life. I want to lose these things. If there's something in your life that you know you need to lose, I want you to stand. If you want to lose the anger, if you want to lose the habits, if you want to lose taking over your life for yourself, if you want to lose doing things on your own, if you want to be a winner, you've got to lose these things. In this game, every loser 
when you lose the things of the world, becomes a winner. You can have losses every single day of your life except that one day that you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and you become a winner. There is no playoffs in the playoffs and then this league and then that league. I get so confused with that. I'm sorry, guys. I just do. It doesn't make sense to me. If I'm winning, I'm winning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray over your people. And I pray for the people that have stood here tonight that want to leave these things of the world here tonight. They want to lose these things that are hindering their relationship with you. They want to lose the things that are hindering righteousness, joy, and peace because they want to be able to be a part of the kingdom of God and advance your kingdom. Father, I want them to be able to understand that through you, we can live an undefeated life as a Christian when we learn to give the things that are of the world when we lose them and embrace the love, the peace, the joy, and the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. I ask you for it for your people, and I pray that you'll be glorified, and I pray that they'll walk out of here knowing and understanding that in Christ they win. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And God bless you. See you next week.